Welcome to episode two of the No Persinium podcast. I'm your host, Noah Nelson. This week, we've got the first of a two-part interview with Jamie Peterson, the creator of At an Appointed Time, an experience that ran last June here in Los Angeles that got a lot of tongues wagging during its all-too-short run. Since then, Jamie's become a friend, and I wanted to share with you the kind of conversations we've had. The first part of this two-part series is going to focus on the audience perspective, what Jamie looks for when he's seeing productions. Part two, which we'll have next week, is going to focus on Jamie's process. This two-part series format is, for now, going to be our format. I wanted to keep the shows a little tighter. We started with an hour and a half in our pre-podcast episode, then hit an hour with our inaugural, fully functional podcast episode, and now this should come out around a half hour after I mix this down. Bite-sized seems to better be better to me with all the podcasts that are out there. This also means we should be able to hit every week, give or take, which lets us talk a little about what's going on out there. For instance, new issues hit in LA and New York this week, and they are chock full of announcements, especially New York. Jeez, that is a lot of stuff. Um, in the Medium collection, we put some notes up by one of our San Francisco correspondents, Bunny Holmes, about the site-responsive show On Dean at Sutro, a production of the Bay Area's We Players. I'll be checking out the warehouse production of American Idiot here in Los Angeles later this month, which is pledging to be an immersive environmental staging. I gotta admit, I haven't had a lot of luck with these musical adaptations, so I'm cautiously optimistic about this one. On the other hand, I've never seen American Idiot, so if nothing else, at least there's that. The end of the month features the start of the Speakeasy Society's Johnny Cycle in Pasadena, we had the co-founders of that company on the last episode. I'll be there at the Friday the 29th show and hanging out at the show bar afterwards, so if you come through that night, look me up. All right, that's enough news announcements. Now on to Jamie Peterson, part one. Okay, I guess it just does that click track thing. I hadn't noticed it. you got to count, count it in. Yeah, count it in. Three, two, one, four. All right. Uh, it's, it's, it's a shame, really, because we had a really great rolling start right there. But um, this is the first of two parts. Yep. And uh, we'll get into what this part's about first. But before we start, uh, as I just asked brilliantly before. Uh, <laughs> it was so good, and then we deleted <laughs> then it. Then we deleted it because we were with the equipment. Uh, welcome to podcasting. Uh, Jamie, uh, tell everyone who you are and like, why would you, of all people, be on a No Presidium podcast? Oh, oh good question. Uh, all right, so my name is Jamie Peterson, uh, and I'm an artist and a theater maker and a uh, guy about town, I guess, uh, avid audience member. And, and actually, the first guy on this podcast so far. Oh, cool. I, I'll be a little bit proud of that. So far, it's, right. it's been uh, three three women. That's three pretty women. good, yeah. yeah. I didn't even think about that till now. I that's the demographics of the immersive scene, man. That's yeah. pretty incredible. yeah. Um, anyway, so I'm, I'm a theater maker and, and like, and artist person. Uh, and I recently, like I, I moved here from New York where I used to, uh, create theater and I made, I worked with Richard Foreman for a number of years. I made my own work. Uh, we were presented in Prelude. We were, uh, presented about town, a bunch of venues, Dixon Place, uh, 
incubator arts project and I made these large-scale dance theater works with all original scores and that work actually weirdly became a backdoor to immersive just because I was trying to make a theater that like completely consumed your senses Mm. like a complete sensory overload and and that was achieved by like trying to slam as much sort of music and action and movement and all of these different sort of channels and tracks of performance and like turn them all up to 10 and um and then that weirdly led me to start thinking about how to just disengage from the proscenium uh and which uh is how we met because i made a piece called at an appointed time where we had a maze uh it was a it was like a bar and then there was a maze behind it and you would go into this maze that would change and lead you through with a magic talking lantern and it was all about the story of daedalus and and we'll we'll get we'll, we'll, we'll get talk into about that, that later. Yeah, yeah. like that, that, we'll get into that about the the second half of the of the conversation. Um, but I want to pull back to what you were just saying about you know overloading the senses and sort of turning everything up to ten. And and that got me thinking is is that because what I want to talk to you about this time out, I think it'd be valuable for the other mm-hmm. makers out there. Is like you you're someone who goes to this stuff. Like yeah. one of the great joys of the LA scene for me is when we wind up at the same thing and either <laughs> on the same night or on a different night go and then share our notes about it. Right? Yeah. Like it's it's so much fun to trade <laughs> notes um, with you in particular. And uh, I'm curious. You have a lot of opinions about this stuff. <laughs> you have a lot of opinions. This is very true. <laughs> um, uh, you uh, is is that. Is searching for that sensory overload, is, is that what drew you towards this sort of work from, a, from an audience perspective? Like, oh, is that what you're looking for? I think so. I think that's, I think that's definitely part of it. I remember specifically, uh, and I mean, Sleep No More is a huge touchstone for everybody. I think my experience of it is, is vastly different from a lot of people because I saw it at the ART presented mm. out-of-town tryout in Boston where it was at a... Uh, it was at a closed school. And so you're like, so the, it weirdly provided this physical framework to experience the delocation of that piece. So you're walking through a dark high school hallway, like lockers, classroom doors or whatever. And you're like, okay, I'm wearing a mask. I'm walking through this like clat, this like spooky school. And then you open the door and there's a forest. And so that kind of like, that kind of, physical transformation is sort of fundamental to theater in general, right. but, and, and is something that, but it's something that can't be fully realized, I think, without the agency of being able to move through it yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's the act of opening that door. Like if you didn't open the door, it's not going to happen for you. Mm. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And, uh, so Cause you could walk, you walk, you walk by, by the door. I mean, how much stuff do you miss in Sleep No More? It's like part and parcel of the whole thing. It's why people go back over and over again, you know, because yeah. you want to try to, like, you got to catch them all. <laughs> the Pokemon of theater. <laughs> uh, and so, like, the idea that... that <laughs> the idea of... Um, the, that idea of, of, of exploration and then having, being overwhelmed by what you find is, is like, I think the first thing that made me totally reconsider that. And, um, actually, and it also comes from installation work. Mm. Uh, Oliver Eliasson's piece, or he had this like, um, retrospective thing at the MoMA years ago. 
And it was, uh, there was one specific thing that always really grabbed me. And it was the room for one color. And he basically hmm. skinned these fluorescent lights with a, uh, a, I won't get into the technical details of it because <laughs> I did a lot of research about it because I'm obsessed. Uh, but I've seen your notebooks. Yeah. It's, um, so he made this thing basically where you walk up into a big orange room and you're like, what is the dumbass point of this? And then you look around and you realize that everyone in the room is in black and white. And so all of the color, all of the color, except for this, this orange, the orange walls has been completely desaturated. So you're standing there with, with all of your friends, like they're in a black and white movie on an orange backdrop. Whoa. And it's so thrilling to like walk into that room and then walk out of the room and your eyes have to do this crazy readjustment because it's like rewiring your eyes the way that, because it's, it's oh, oversaturating no. it with one frequency of light. And so by, and in that case, deprivation became the, or like that one frequency overloads your senses right. and then changes the, the space entirely. It forces you to physically have a different perception. Yeah. And, and uh, I got to say like, for me, that's that shifting perspective. I mean, a- any piece of art, any piece of narrative work is supposed to uh, either add to or challenge your perspective yeah, of absolutely. reality but there's something in the mojo of immersive that just seems to really do it because it it hits you on at least two levels right. at any given time uh it's hitting you visually and it's hitting you kinesthetically like yeah. physically because you're moving through the space your and physical relationship to the space changes yeah. your physical perspective of the thing changes yeah. and that's like and yeah so that that's a tool that theater doesn't like conventional proscenium theater doesn't give you. It's why whenever I go directly, into, at least no, yeah, I mean like you can. It's achievable. Yeah, it's just it's, it's not the, it's built not, in. It's, yeah, it's not in the base contract. It's why I always say like if I go to an immersive and I see a chair, there's something wrong. <laughs> yeah, and and there have been a few pieces that. Oh man, now I just now I want to make an immersive with I mean, that's all about <laughs> chairs. <laughs> just well, let it, like, I mean, see. it's 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 not. But you're right. It's not impossible, and there are definitely pieces I've seen. Uh, good pieces I've seen that you know have a fair amount of sitting in them, but they'll also maybe get people out of their seats. Right. Uh, but you know, largely, it's it seems to hold true that there's just something with the energy drain of like plopping your butt down, and and there's something that uh, Julianne just says in our previous episode and has said to me before, which is you know, uh, you know she's she's at a day job, she's at a desk job all day. Mm-hmm. And sort of like at the end of the day, the last thing you want to do is, you know, sit your butt down in a chair. It's like my obsession with like, we do this because it's not about screens. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, we've been looking at a screen all day. Can I just not look at a screen for a little while? Right. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I like, I and I think about like the things that are popular on screens now and the, the like the dynamics of it are turned up so high and that's the only reason people can go is because it is so, it's so gigantic and overwhelming. I mean, it's, it's like, uh, well, and they'll talk about IMAX being immersive. Right. Right. Like right. we're going to give you these immersive. Like I heard, it's just yeah. because it's taking up more of your field of vision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the goal. So what do you, what vision, what do you look for? Like when you're, when you're looking for a piece, what gets you excited? The f- Okay. So, and, and I like, I feel like I harp on this all the time. Uh, the first thing that I always look for is what is, is casting the audience. Like what is my role and what okay. is my relationship to the work that's happening? And then, 
And then what is my agency within that? Like what is within my power? What am, what am I, how is my moving through the piece changing the piece or is it changing the piece? And that, I mean, that's a pretty, that's a tall order. Cause then you're talking, then you start to move uh, out of rote theatricality and into full interactivity. Right. And immersive lives in this weird gray area between performer and audience and, and that cold, that like that, where that dynamic becomes blurry. Right. Um, but I really want to know, I really want to be given the freedom like freedom within a piece to kind of not necessarily change it, but to, but by my presence be changing it. You know what I mean? By, by me being there, something about it is different. Something about it shifts. Now, now is it important to you that, that the narrative is shifting or, or no. Okay. I think that's, I think that's unnecessary. I mean, I think that, but I have to, I have to be necessary. Um, the narrative doesn't have to change because I'm there, but I have to be necessary for the narrative to happen in some way, I think. I like that because like that's the sense, the sense, and we know this from having done enough theater, enough rehearsals, right. the sense that, oh, you could run this without an audience yeah, and nothing would change. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's, I think, uh, like speaking of, of speakeasy, but uh, the stronger I thought was a really fun piece because... You're so net the like the palpable awkwardness that you're feeling is necessary to drive that piece forward. If you aren't there, they're just rehearsing a monologue. But you being there is the the like makes I think supports their performances. Yeah. If you don't feel awkward in that show, I think that show isn't as good. I think. Yeah. In some way. I don't know. I mean, maybe that this is all my personal reaction to it because I was just like so like delicious, like deliriously uncomfortable in a way that I, I really enjoyed, especially too, cause I know Genevieve. And so I like, and I was just like, Oh, oh theater. This is theater happening right in front of my face. <laughs> and, but like, but I felt very necessary to that in some way to that equation. Um, yeah. And I thought that was really, I think that's really cool. And I think that that's like the, the, I think that's a great thing. And, and, I, I want to feel important to the work, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's, a, that's the biggest criteria that I have, I think. And uh, other than that, I really, I mean, it's always really fun to see, to be in, uh, the other thing, okay, and I'll say this, I think the other thing that I really enjoy is uh, a sense of place. It doesn't have to be a, like, I don't, ha- I don't need verisimilitude in terms okay. of the, what, like, I don't want to, necessarily I don't need to walk into a room and have it be perfectly art directed to look like to recreate a space. You're looking at my notes and I'm putting right down questions for you. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did I just like head off a No, which is fine. Okay. Which is good. No, no, no. Um I, I don't need to walk in and like see and be like, oh I'm in the nineteen twenties. I the only thing I need is for the the like space around it to feel like cogent and like like a place in and of itself. Um, what do you mean by a place? I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I like because because I'm getting the sense like you know you don't you don't need it to be like you just walked into a film set. No, I it, or it a real be, building. But everything in it has to be considered to the point uh, of considerate of me. I think very selfish. I sound very selfish about this, but it makes a sort of sense. Like well, I guess I would say from like a UX. The user experience design, right. you're saying is that 
the the audience members point of view needs to be really considered. Yeah. Right? Because like it's only it's only happening in the audience member's head. Anyway. Right. So that so that and that um and that thing that like place is what sort of roots everything. It's what roots my experience and their experience together. Uh, and then that's what forms the like memory that I get to carry out because I mean that as with all like ephemeral forms of art like, like especially hyper-ephemeral forms where you're just like, I walked in, I walked out, everything was fun. Um, the thing that you really get to take away is this, like, sensation. Right. This, like, really, like, sensual almost thing where you're, like, everything feels tactile. Everything feels... Even if, like, even if it's a room full of video projection, you want to, f- like, the notion that 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 place was sort of made as a hub for you passing through and the artist making their work sort of that, like that junction is, is the place. That's the like thing that you get to take away. Yeah. Or like even considering like considering not just like the visuals that are happening on a screen, but like, is there warmth to those screens or if they're all just like flat panel monitors, is there some kind of hum or are they, are right. they, are they set to like, you know, a certain frame rate that's unusual or just like the, the, the way in which something, you know, is captured around. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and you just want to feel like, you just want to feel like it, it, you've arrived somewhere where you're like, <laughs> Uh, welcome, I guess is a, is it like a nice word for it? Yeah. Or is a, is like a, a pedestrian word for it, but is, but it's this like deeper sense of welcomeness where you're like, you're, you're, you're welcome. You're necessary. It's you belong. A, you belong. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's the, yeah. I don't know. I sound real. I feel like I, that's, I feel like those answers are really like, are kind of wishy-washy, but... Uh, well, I mean, the, we're talking about an ephemeral thing. We're talking about right. like, you know, the experience one one is looking for. Well, right, because it's, it's an experience-based, immersive more than more than theater, more than film, more than any of the, uh, more even than, than like participatory installation, is experience-based. Installation, I, I, I think, which I, I put sort of on a different, on like the other side of the spectrum because installation is very kind of, uh, can be very active. Right. Uh, it can be very, it can even be very performative and stuff, but there is, there's a removal. Mm. Uh, I think there's something that get, that's taken away. Theater like wants you, wants to pull you in. Installation puts up walls. If, if installation always feels like a confrontation. Yeah. It's like, here's this idea. And you're going to interact with this idea. But the important thing is this idea. Is this, the idea, you are secondary to the notion that this thing exists, that this edifice exists. Which is, it can be an awesome thing. It's it's incredible because sometimes you just want to feel small. Yeah. Um, you you want to be confronted with something bigger than yourself. Yeah. It's like, it's, you know, a great installation makes you feel like you're confronting what the gods are like. <laughs> right. You know, sure. You're like, oh, yeah. whoa. Like, uh, like, like an orange room where everyone else is in black exactly. and white is like... flabbergasting. And, it, yeah. it, and I have nothing to do with it. Yeah. Like, that is happening to me. Yeah. Um, and the same way bad theater is happening. <laughs> 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 You ever think that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's always difficult when it's happened to you and like only like two other people, one of whom has just fallen asleep. <laughs> um, you know, we, we we talk about the experience and we talk about uh, 
the, back to the overload sense. Yeah. Um, how important is it to to engage all those different senses? Right. Like, I mean, because we've got the five to work with, and right. the, you know, some things that you don't normally have in a in a theatrical setting are smell, unless it's like the byproduct of Roscoe Fog, yeah, or um, <laughs> or, or taste, unless it's also the, the byproduct of, of Roscoe Fog. Fog. Yeah, um, these are left out. Like, it's, it's theaters usually sight and sound. Immersive almost requires that there is physicality, but the other two are are kind of like. Optional, but you will find people playing with them. How, yeah. how critical do you think they are? Or, or is it is just a, a, a trick, a hack, a gimmick to go into that zone? No. I, I mean, well, everything is a gimmick and, unless it's executed perfectly. <laughs> uh, right? Like everybody can tear down. You can tear down somebody's attempt to do that. I mean, someday I really want to bring dinner theater back and like make it really abstract and good. That's like a long-term plan. Uh I just even I mean I I would love the idea of of incorporating more of those things directly into it. I think that a lot of immersives do good stuff with smell, whether or not it's entirely um, like fully intentional. Right. But it's just you're dealing with like some you're dealing with different materials and like you like somebody wants to cover the floor in wood chips that the room's going to smell like wood chips now. Yeah. And so that like adds a level that adds something to it. Um, and I like, okay, so I'm about to turn into my college self, but here we go. Uh, so there's like the Wagner idea, the Wagnerian idea of the Gesamtkunstwerk, which is like the, like all, all art together, like everything at once. Yeah. Um, and by the way, yeah, right. Uh, but it's like that, so that that notion of like ev- ev- everything at once and like all of the art forms together in unison, basically. And like, so I, I mean, I would love to meet a smell artist and like collaborate with them, you know? But like, God, flavor chemist. Oh my God, where's my notebook? Um, <laughs> it's not here. It's, it's, uh, it's in my bag over there. Anyway, so the. But that I like that idea of like how many, how many, it's not about how many boxes you can check so much as that it's like how much how much you can fill the room. Like music, there's this, like, okay, there's a great thing on the internet where Chili Gonzalez breaks down I Love McConnell's, uh, uh Tuesday, which is like, I got the club going up. And he's, like, as a classical pianist, is like being really like stuffy about it, but he like breaks down all of these chords. And then he says something about the fact that he's like, and then there's like this texture and this texture. And the thing about music is that the more full it is, the more directly you experience it or something. Huh. Um, and so that notion of like filling the air, of like filling the, the room and filling the like your capacity for engagement makes it you experience it more fully. So the more the more like stuff you can put into it, the more like angles you can consider, the more uh things you can have going on, the more you can provide. Right. I think that there, I think that like is a good, and, and we, it's not necessarily a yardstick for success because it seems like I'm aligning minimalism as a viable option, but, right. uh, but it, but it does. I mean, if you do that sort of thing in a considered fashion, if you really fill the space, if you're engaging the senses and, and also because lack of things, lack of things can be our things. Yeah. Right. The absence of something is something. 
Oh yeah. Well, particularly. Well, I mean, what's beautiful is you do like an overload and then you take something away. Right. I, I always think of. Uh, I always think of Lost Highway, mm. uh, the David Lynch film. Yeah. And there's a sequence in the middle. I think it's like Robert Blake, sort of this like demonic little character, and I think it's Bill Paxton at that point. I can or Bill Pullman, Paxton, Pullman, <laughs> Pullman, Paxton, whatever. It's, it's one of the bills. I know. Um, it's the '90s, and there's a bill involved, and and all of a sudden, like all of the sound at this party drops away, and it's just Robert Blake's voice, and you aren't conscious of it really, mm. but it focuses down and gives menace in a way that nothing else does. And I saw that movie twice, and the second time I saw it, like I became really conscious of. The, the audio doing that. And it was just so thrilling to use the absence of something as an effect. Mm-hmm. It's like there's no other sound. It would have been an otherwise very rich landscape. And so you're right. Like that, that's definitely a way. The other, the other side of what you're saying about the fullness to me feels like you're giving people the opportunity to connect with it in a way that's that they're maybe more attuned to yeah. because some people are more sonically inclined and some people are, you know, smell and taste driven. Yeah. And if you're, so long as what you're doing is resonant with the overall effect you're trying to create, you're opening up pathways for an audience to experience yeah. the larger point you're trying to make. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that that's like, I feel like that's just like good art making. And then, but the, but immersive gives us the, immersives give us the chance to at more actively, uh, I would say more actively like engage with all of those things. Here's the last question for this half. Uh-huh. Uh, and then we're going to talk to you about you as a, as a creative, as a creator. Um, what would you like to see more of in terms of the immersive space? Oh. Um, you know, you can limit that to like what would you like to see more of here in LA, yeah. like stuff that, that that you'd love to see pop up here in terms of types of work or, or scale, uh, but also like in general, like you know, what's what's things that I want to see more of. Uh, it's tough to say because it's like one of those. It's one of those things, especially because I feel like they're aside from the like. The, the like triple A's that have all the money and the like all the production value. Yeah. Um, I, they're, I just completely lost my train of thought because I started thinking about those. Uh, the things that I want to see are like, I mean, it doesn't have to be things you haven't seen. No, that's right? the thing. Well, so, so, so much of it, like so much of the form is still sort of in its nascency. Like it's sort of, right. there's still so much to be explored um, other than, other than like theater in the moving round, we're still in this mode where we're, the first thing that we're thinking about is is like viewers moving through a space, right? Um, and what I want to see, you know, what this is, I want to see what I want to see more of is not viewers moving through a space. It's it's like complicit, complicit like actors moving through a space, and I don't mean actors like performers. I mean like people who are taking action um, and people who are, they are active in, in passing through the space. Cause even sometimes there are times where I've been to see immersives and you, you realize that you're, uh, you're kind of, you're standing, you're moving through the space, but like you're, you're still passive. 
is there's still that overwhelming sense of passivity. And then, then, and I want to try to like, I want to see less of that. I want to, and it also like, it makes me uncomfortable as an audience member, but this is the other thing is that we have to take the courageous leap to, um, to like hold people's hand through the threshold of, of making work that's more accessible, that's more interactive, that might be more, even if it's not, you know, even if the narrative isn't responding, even if there isn't a narrative, um, actually non-narrative or immersive work is something that I like, am, I would love to go see more of things that are just fragments and pieces that are like very reminiscent of the, like of the theatrical avant-garde, but taken to taken into that space. So we're just like, we've just created an environment and then you want to live in that environment. And that's the place, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's the, it's the act of creating a full environment that you're immersed in. And then you're like, you're like, I don't even care what's happening. <laughs> I just want to play with this thing or like whatever, you know, whatever that is. I, yeah. I don't know, but I'm, I'm, like, I'm excited. Like, I want to see more of that. Yeah. Like encountering some, not, not a literal alien landscape or maybe, maybe, a, maybe a literal alien landscape coming into space, being like, be able to figure out like, what would live here? Right. You know, what's, see, I always think of that in terms, a little bit in terms of story, right? It's about like the, the artifacts and the traces and the shape of it. Like it, it's, yeah. it, you know, you start to get a sense of like, you know, there's some kind of narrative there. And that's yeah, what if do. there's a story that, what if, what if I'm in a space and there's a story being, that's not being told to me that I'm act, but that I'm discovering yeah. that I'm moving through this piece and then I'm discovering the narrative threads that are there and yeah. piecing them together into whatever I, whatever hash I make out of it. I don't know. Sounds pretty good. I'd see that show. That's it for part one of our talk. You can keep up with Jamie on his Twitter handle at Paper Industry. Jamie will be back on next week's show. Until then, you can find the latest news and announcements we find at the No Proscenium Twitter account. That's at No Proscenium. And if you're not a subscriber of the newsletter, you can sign up at noproscenium.com. There are three options, Los Angeles, New York, and San Francisco. And as always, all of them are free. Just like this podcast. Though the podcast is brought to you by our generous Patreon backers. If you'd like to throw a dollar or two at making the show even better, check out the campaign at patreon.com slash Until next time, I'm Noah Nelson for No Persinium, and I'll see you at the show.